Hello and welcome to the very first Pilot TV podcast. Pilot TV is the new brand from the makers of Empire, celebrating and curating the very best in cinematic television. And we are launching our podcast right here, right now, in what will either be the best or catastrophically worst decision we ever made. <laughs> we shall see. So I'm Terry White, the editor-in-chief of Pilot TV and also Empire, and I am joined by two colleagues who have the faces and the hairlines for podcasts. It's, firstly, West Wing psychopath and the first deputy editor of Pilot TV, Mr. James Dyer. Hello. And rounding out our trio is Mr. TV himself, the man who goes to football with Dermot O'Leary and goes to Morrison's with Russell Tovey. It is the second deputy editor of Pilot TV, Mr. Boyd Hilton. Thank you. I've actually been to football with uh, Russell Tovey as well, so... And Morrison's with Dermot? Probably. God, I wanna, can I hang out with you? Is this an, like yeah. an awkward, inappropriate moment to ask you? You can do whatever you like. Thanks. I'm, you're my boss. Dermot. I love Dermot. Does that extend to making you allow me hang out with Dermot? Only Absolutely. Really? Cool. You heard it here, everybody. So, welcome both of you. How are you feeling about... This the very first Pilot TV podcast recorded live in front of this fine audience of people who could probably technically make or break the future of Pilot TV. Um, they look, no they pressure. Look, they look very nice and charming, so I love them all. James? I hate them already. <laughs> you'll, learn, you'll learn to uh, love these very distinct personalities to my left over the next 30 minutes. So we are going to start this week's podcast with the talking point every week. We talk about a show that has got the nation, or at least the three of us, talking. And I think there's only one show it could be this week, right? Which is Bodyguard. Now, so for those who haven't watched it, it's the BBC drama starring Keely Hawes and Richard Madden, which has been a massive, massive hit. So, Boyd, correct me if I'm wrong, but the highest launch figure for any new UK drama across all channels since 2006... Yes, I mean, this has, these facts have come from the BBC, but we have to believe them. <laughs> I was going to make a fake news joke, but I don't want to be part of normalising that language. No, so quite I'm going right. to keep it yeah. inside. Yeah. Um, this is real news. Yeah. And the, but 10, they're saying 10 million consolidated mm. figures, right? Yeah, which is, which is massive, yeah. These days, you know, most dramas are getting five or six, if they're mm. lucky, yeah. So this is a huge, and that's for episode one, a huge immediate phenomenon. Amazing. So, please shut your ears if you haven't seen it. We will attempt not to spoil everything, but obviously three episodes have aired so far, right? So, we may cover some stuff if you haven't watched it that you don't know because you haven't watched it. So, let's start. Like, I watched it last night, actually, and I was tweeting about the first 20 minutes which are just of episode one, which are just extraordinary. I mean, that train sequence is ridiculous, incredibly cinematic. James... Talk us through that and what your thoughts were on that specific opener, which was I can't believe you just started. Well, you haven't got, even got to the bit where Keely Hawes masturbates in the doorway, so it gets better as it How goes along. How to warm them up? God! <laughs> start with the train, get it, to the masturbation. Yeah, I think the other way around is probably... Spoiler alert, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Sorry. That <laughs> massive plot point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's really good. It's got so many great set pieces, actually, uh, which I would reel off, but there's bound to be someone who hasn't seen them. Uh, but the first 20 minutes, I think the first one is about as tense as TV has got, really, uh, with him kind of diffusing a potential terrorist bomber on a train. Incredibly, I mean, very, very stressful. I will say, though, in three episodes, it has not regained that sort of heady peak since then. I think it, it, definitely, it definitely sort of 
came in on a high. And there's been some other great, uh, great bits in there. There was a couple of assassination attempts, both very, very well done. Uh, and of course, the wanking, which is also well done. But, uh, but no, no, that, it's, it's a really, really great sequence. And it's like, it kind of sets as a statement of intent. Like, you're not quite sure what this is, because most people hear Bodyguard, they think Kevin Costner, they think Whitney Houston. And, you know, <laughs> and it's not dissimilar in the setup, but to start with that, the way you've got this guy who's incredibly cool in a kind of very short, Jack Reacher-esque kind of way, uh, you know, to, to sort of, he's got his kids with him, he's clearly knackered, he's coming back from seeing his parents. You know, to, he's got the wherewithal, he spots someone on a platform, he follows them in, he takes control of the whole situation and kind of, in defence of life, puts himself in harm's way. And it's, it's, it's really fucking full on, quite frankly. Yeah. No, I loved it. Really loved it. Boyd, these kind of first episodes of, of especially British um, and arguably BBC dramas at the moment are, are kind of really throwing everything at the first episode. Why yeah. do you think that kind of is? I think it's, there's an absolute awareness, particularly among, as you say, the kind of the old school linear channels, BBC, ITV. We'll, we'll talk about Strangers later, one of the shows we're reviewing. I think that's a, ca a case in point as well. We'll get to that. Is that because they feel this pressure, I think, from the streaming services like Netflix and Amazon Prime, etc. And even also, you know, the HBO shows, all these huge big budget event series that arrive that they have to make a splash early on because I think if you decide to binge on a show, then you sit, settle down, you know you're going to watch a few episodes if you're in that mood. Whereas if you're on BBC Live watching every week on a Sunday, you really have to nab people's attention in the first 20 minutes. Hence that, I mean, Jed Mercurio just discussed this. He says, I, 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 every single series he makes now, the first five, ten minutes have to be the most thrilling, exciting thing he can possibly think of within the milieu, if I can use that horrible, pretentious word, that he's working. And I think this was an object lesson. It was the most exciting first 20 minutes of any TV series across any of these channels or, or streaming services for, for I, th I would say, years. And that's why I think it's been such a massive hit. I think there was a word of mouth phenomenon about this opening 20 minutes it became a thing and that's why it's been so successful it's not all been entirely positive as the episodes have gone on right so we've seen three there's yeah. been something of i don't know if backlash is the right word but more debate on social around believability around some of the storylines some people seem to object to the the kind of romance at the heart of it between them what's your kind of take on it as it's gone on because as you said james right the first episode really kind of landed with a bang. Yeah, well, it's got a soapiness to it, hasn't mm. it? Like, as it goes on, it gets... I mean, it, there's, a, there's a hint of guilty pleasure to it. Like, his other show, famous from Line of Duty, I think is much more like... It's genuinely good. It's good across the board. This is good, too. But it is also, like, it's a little bit shit in a good way. <laughs> yeah. You know, in that, in that it's very, very... It's quite broad, and some of the decisions the characters make are ludicrous, and the process... I mean, apparently, it's actually quite accurate in the way, like, close protection works, but some of the processes seem quite far-fetched. <laughs> oh, like, don't... Jed, don't hear let me, Jed Mercurio hear you yeah, say well, that. His meticulous research so of the processes says. are... You cannot challenge those. I mean, I'm, you may challenge... Whether it makes any, whether people's, what the people do and their yeah, behaviour. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, fair. Fair. But I think, oh, I think maybe his process is meticulously researched. I'm not sure the politics is. Do you know what I mean? Like it's set in the world of politics. It's political, but I'm not sure what it's saying. I'm not sure what his politics is. Oh, you know, what is it saying? What is, I mean, what is? It's not saying anything at all. That's the beauty of it. I think is that he's absolutely not saying anything. I mean, this is a series, and I think Line of Duty is the same actually, where. First and foremost, it's about gripping us, mm -hmm. about you know, getting us in his vice-like grip and not letting go. I don't think he's that bothered, as a writer in general, about trying to make 
points about, mm. political or social points. I think he wants to entertain. And, that's, and this is doing a brilliant job. So I think it is soapy, but so is Line of Duty. There have been some incredible plot twists and turns in Line of Duty, if you think about it. I mean, you know, last, last season, he had one wakes up with half her arms been, <laughs> been chopped off. So, you know, he's not one, he does, his whole thing is walking that line between credulity and stunning us yeah. with his plot turns. And I actually think, just to talk about the romance element of it, I think what he did was, I think everyone's expecting, because in these, these days, you're not supposed to have romance between your very professional female character and your very professional male character. So he, it was more weird and exciting and odd to have them in the romance in the end, unlike back in the days of the film Bodyguard, if you like, where that's what the whole thing was about. So I think that was kind of a surprise that he ended up with them being in a romance. And believe me, having rather annoyingly, I'm going to say I've seen up to episode five, there are so even more extreme shocks and you can't have extreme narrative twists and shocks unless they tread that line of credulity i think and that's what he does well there's a couple of things right so i think that there are some performance issues to james point i think there's a, some quality issues like richard mother there's a, a couple of shots where he's like full fatal attraction bonnie boiler kind of and he's like oh i'm not sure that this is translating to screen so i'm just going to double down on like glaring at the camera and some of the shots are really over like really well, over rewinding footage on a tv oh, and not at all stalkery fashion and i yes. do think you know oh and the, i found the romance a little bit disappointing because it doesn't surprise me that the, i mean what does surprise me is this woman who is the home secretary and has this incredibly powerful job would risk it all to like shag some guy who's, I mean, who, yeah. to shag the help, like really? Yeah, it's hot. Does she not have agency beyond like her <laughs> no, vagina? No. Actually, I'm 15 minutes before I said vagina, I think we're doing really that well. That is a record for, yeah, that for, is a record. for any podcast. We did start with wanking, to be fair. Yeah, so. we did. I feel like we've gone up, down. Um, right, so I think we should move on to TV news because otherwise yes. this is going to be the world's longest podcast. Yeah. Um, but if you do want to watch the show, it's on, is it Sundays? Sunday, BBC One, nine o'clock. Episode four is on this Sunday. And that has, I'm not going to give anything away, that has another incredible thing that happens. Oh, you heard it here first. Another incredible thing. Yes. Right, okay. So, and three episodes are on iPlayer at the moment, right? Okay, so TV news. What is happening, Boyd, in the world of news? And I hear that Killing Eve has finally got a transmission date and it's not that far away. No, Killing Eve, if, if you haven't heard of it, is... It's been on BBC America. There's this really strange situation where BBC America is its own, ide- its own entity its own, and it commissions its own stuff, even though it's part of the BBC. And they've commi- they commissioned this show called Killing Eve, which was written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And it's a, it's a fascinating thing. It's about a kind of spy. It's a woman who works for MI5 kind of, you know, as a desk job, desk clerk, really. And she's obsessed with this woman who thinks he's going around the world as a secret assassin, and who is indeed a secret assassin, who no one can get tabs on, the Jodie Comer character. And it's about these two women and how they're kind of brought together, one chasing the other, and in the end, the other chasing the other as well, and how they kind of follow each other around the world, both getting more and more obsessed with each other as it goes on. It's an inc- I watched it last night, I went to the screening last night. First two episodes are incredible. What the BBC's doing is they waited for BBC America to show it in full, all eight episodes over there. It got an incredible critical and um, commercial response. The, the most incredible thing that happened was in between the first and second episode, the audience went up by 80%, which never happens in television. Either audiences go up a bit or they usually tail off, but this became a huge word-of-mouth phenomenon. Everyone loved it, like The New Yorker, for example, loved it. It's got Emmy nominations in it for Sandra Oh and for the writing by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It is as good as the word of mouth suggests. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And what the BBC is doing is the first episode will be on Saturday, 
15th of September at nine o'clock and will be on Saturday night, which is a, quite an interesting, bold mm. place to put it. But equally, from that night, you can watch the whole thing as a binge on the iPlayer. So they're kind of like hedging their bets. They're like, well, you can watch it weekly if you want, and it'll all be on Netflix style on the iPlayer. So it's a very interesting thing that's happening more and more. Is Channels like the BBC and Sky face the, how do we deal with the Netflix thing? Mm. This is how they're doing with it with Killing Eve, which will be, in the end, whatever way you watch it, one of the best things that's on this year. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about another BBC show, Wanderlust, which started this week, which is starring Tony Collette and Stephen McIntosh. It's a story of what seems to be a very ordinary marriage until they both start to have the Wanderlust and find it elsewhere. And, and the thing I want to talk about is the incredible response from certain sections of the press. I think on the Daily Mail, I counted something like five different stories, absolutely horrified by the sex. The most sex you've ever seen, sex on top of sex on top of sex. And actually, I think what the problem is, it's, it's middle-aged, middle-class people having fairly mundane, sometimes awkward sex, or with their husband or their wife, or it's extramarital sex, which I think always think is like the Daily Mail's worst nightmare, right? It's like, yeah. either I have to have sex with my wife and it's like not great, or she's having sex with somebody else. Whichever scenario, I'm not doing very well here. And I think there's still a real taboo around people who aren't young and lithe and, and you know, in their youth and in their prime, having sex on telly during prime time. Because I actually thought it was a really touching kind of portrait of marriage and underneath all of the section I think there's two comments about masturbation and, and, a very, and quite a graphic scene within like seven minutes as a or theme something. to this podcast you yeah, might yeah. <laughs> we should have like segmented off the, the like shows with masturbation but and it's actually for me it's really about the, um, the kind of strains of marriage and it's much kind of much more nuanced and has a much more interesting texture than I think all of the um, the headlines would have you believe so I really enjoyed that this week and I'm really excited to see what happens in episode two. I agree, it's really good. And I think, I think above all else, it's got this kind of eye-catching idea that two people in a marriage might decide that they're going yeah. to expand their horizons. Um, and that's the kind of what's got, I think, you know, some of the papers kind of yeah. almost frothing at the mouth of the idea that you could, you know, it's, it's some, you could morally take the decision that you yeah. want to sleep around, you know. But it's an interesting, I haven't yeah. seen a show, there probably have been a couple of American shows that have dealt with this idea, yeah. but it's very, it is rare. And I think, it should, again, talk about the BBC for a minute, prime time, nine o'clock, yeah. to have this, you know, to have wanking and all of that on. And in that context of, as you say, you know, a middle-aged, or at least not a young couple, yeah. I think it's brilliant. And I think it's a really well-written show. You know, I think you can tell it's written by um, a playwright, the guy who wrote Constellations, which is a great, great play, if you've ever seen it, because the dialogue and the situations are brilliantly done. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really good. And James, Hi. you can round off news for us. Netflix, House of Cards. Oh, there's loads of... I'm, I'm going to be Captain Netflix today. So, we've only got time for one. No, I'm giving so, you three. So I'll, I'll do them really one, choose, choose your your. All right, well, well, House of Cards, and I'm going to do this super quick. So House of Cards has wanking in it now. And it's, uh, <laughs> it doesn't. It has nothing to do with that. Kevin Spacey is no longer in House of Cards. We know this, but the first teaser came out, and I think we, we were, he's going to be dead, essentially, when it starts. Massive spoiler. You see uh, his wife, now the president, talking to his grave, which I guess... No one's really surprised by this, is it? it I mean, how else were they going right? to do it? You know, he's just absent, like he's ill or something, or he's indisposed. I mean, so they've essentially killed him off. So that's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting they chose to put it out there. It's interesting in the way they did it and 
and they've got her talking to the camera in exactly the way that she kind of took over a lot more from him in the previous season. So I don't know. I wonder whether not having him on it will rekindle a little bit of interest in a show which I think had massively gone off the boil, I think, by the time the last season came around. I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see. But in my next Netflix story that I'm going to tell you, 13 Reasons Why is getting a third season. So it's now 39 Reasons Why. <laughs> and I think we've fucking got it at this point. You're Can just we showing stop? off your maths. That's yeah, really that it. was literally an excuse yeah. for you yeah. to yeah. add up. It's basic arithmetic, thank you. That's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm here to add up anything you need before for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> now, news is over. It's time for Pilot TV Reviews, while we stand in a field of wheat, toss out the chaff and tell you what is really worth watching. Because, in the words of our tagline... I'm just going to drop this in now. You can't watch everything. So, boy, I mean, we do. But, boy, but, well, but we have to, so you don't yes. have to. Boy, do you want to start us off with Strangers, yes, which is stra- a new ITV drama? Absolutely. So, Strangers, I would say, is ITV's flagship kind of contemporary drama of the season. There's loads of new dramas um, starting around now for the autumn. Um, they've got Vanity Fair's probably their big period drama on Sunday nights. This starts next Monday. It stars John Sim as a university professor. Who, uh, whose wife, played by Dervla Kerwan, has, spends half her year in Hong Kong working in some weird business. And they kind of spend their time apart. He's never visited her in Hong Kong because he's scared of flying and he's, you know, so he wants to stay back at home. The, now, as I mentioned before, this whole idea of slam-bang opening sequences in TV series, particularly on the old-school linear channels, this is an object lesson in that. So Strangers begins with watching Dervla Kerwan, the character of, of the wife, travelling along this very spectacular highway in Hong Kong amid the mountains. And then, this is not a spoiler, by the way, because this happens literally in the first minute. Um, then a massive lorry smashes into her car. She dies. Then what happens is John Sim's character has to fly over to Hong Kong to identify the body and deal with the fact that his wife has died. It's quite a heavy thing. Leaving his kids back home, etc. Then, at about the 15-minute mark, first of all, the police are weirdly kind of um, not particularly pleasant with him and don't deal with the fact that his wife's died in a very nice way and you're wondering what's going on there. And then 15 minutes in, a big thing happens, which kind of turns the whole drama on its head and it's not what you think it is. And I'm always weird when, when a twist happens in a film or a TV show, I think, should you mention the twist? You know, it's, but I think it's in this case, because it happens so early on, after that incredible scene with the car crash, which is very well done, by the way, then this 15-minute in twist is kind of gets you, ensnares you in the grip of the show very well. And I thought it was a very clever piece of writing that you're imme- you immediately want to find out what, is the, what are the implications of this thing that he discovers, John Sim's characters discover, and then it keeps you watching, keeps you riveted, for, at least for the rest of the first episode. And we talk of cinematic TV as one of the kind of key phrases we use with Pilot. This whole thing is set more or less in Hong Kong, particularly at night, and I've never been to Hong Kong, but it does look like Blade Runner. It does have that kind of neon-lit, spectacular skyscraper, skyline thing going on, and it milks that to its absolute limit. So it kind of does look a bit like Blade Runner on ITV, 9 o'clock of a Monday night, which I think is, again, an interesting thing that ITV, BBC, they do have to compete with the way shows look, the way they're directed, the way they're edited, and this has all of that. It's one of the most cinematic ITV dramas I think I've ever seen. And I was riveted. I think my only problem with it might be, does it, it's eight episodes, is it going to keep us gripped throughout that? But I hope it does. And when you say, because is it cinematic in terms of other ITV shows, or do you think it stands up against some of the best cinematic television on the likes of HBO, on Sky Atlantic, Now TV, and on the BBC? 
I would say it's probably just a little bit below. You know, I think HBO, you know, I've just, I've been obsessed this year with Sharp Objects. If you watch Sharp Objects, I think it's an aspect, even though it's actually quite a kind of small scale thing in a way, it's about a small town, but that's such a beautifully cinematic thing. That's like a kind of eight hour, very well stitched together kind of indie mystery drama. And, it, and it's brilliant. I think it's a notch below a kind of HBO show, if you like, but for ITV, BBC, we kind of do things are slightly different in their worlds. And I think probably ITV won't. We don't want it to be, you know, like we don't want you to spend all your money lavishing it in every single shot being cinematic. But I think generally it feels like something that is more than televisual, put it that way. Yeah. It's okay. very, really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you um, I'm interested to see where it goes, actually. I've only seen the first one. But John yeah. Sim doesn't get nearly enough work. Really good. Yeah, he's brilliant. And he, and he make, one quick thing I liked about it was, you know, some shows, particularly thrillers, they're kind of, they gloss over certain key moments, yeah. like key confrontations. And again, without giving anything away, there's a key confrontation that he has to deal with. Mm. And he, the way he deals with it is so brilliantly naturalistic. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and you can just imagine if this had been an American show, that would have been handled yeah. very, very exactly. differently. Exactly. Uh, when does it start, Boyd? Monday night, nine o'clock. Okay. Eight weeks. James. Hi. Would you like to talk about a discovery of riches? Oh, I'd love to. Uh, yes, Discovery, this is a new Sky One show. It's based on the uh, young adult novels, which I assume you've all read, uh, by Deborah Harkness. Uh, and this stars at, uh, Teresa Palmer as a kind of um, occult academic, a sort of witch with tenure, if you will. Uh, and she's kind of a visiting lecturer at Oxford University. And she goes to the library, as one does, to get out a book. It's a very special book, a magic book that no one can ever find. She asks for it, they bring it out, she looks at it, it nearly takes a hand off. It's full of like scary writing and you know, demonic spells and whatnot. And it sends up this kind of clarion call for all the supernatural creatures in Oxford who all want this book. You can tell that this is written by an academic because this, she's so excited by the prospect of getting things out of the library. Um, <laughs> but this, this, it all happens around the library. It's all shot in Oxford. It's actually, it's actually really nice. But she's, among these creatures are, there's like a, an evil sort of head witch uh, played by Game of Thrones, uh, Sir Alistair Thorne, uh, Owen Teal. Uh, and Matthew Good is in this as a kind of a millennia old vampire called Matthew. It's kind of a, it's a slightly, you know, sky sanitized version of the, the murderous sociopathy plays in Stoker. Uh, but in this case, an actual vampire. And I mean, it is the most young adult thing I think you'll see on television. Like, it's drawn in very broad strokes. It's got all the subtlety of, like, a werewolf to the face. It, r it really does. Uh, but it's strangely compelling in a really, like, awkward, twilighty way. Like, it's, the dialogue is just atrocious. But you want to see what happens, and, and I think Palmer and, and could have really, really great chemistry. Uh, and you get all these random people like demons and stuff are turning up and witches casting pentagrams on the floors and flames and stuff. Um, but again, it's quite soapy and it's about the sort of will they, won't they. He's a vampire, he wants to drink her blood. She quite fancies him because he's tall and thin and, you know, whatever. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it, 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 like I say, it shares a lot of DNA with Twilight. And I think if you've got patience for that, you'll quite enjoy it. I plan to watch more of this, but I don't plan to tell anyone I'm doing it. <laughs> it it is quite witches versus demons it versus vampires. It is versus vampires versus yeah. humans. Yeah. yeah. It's, there are, I have to say, I thought some of the clunky dialogue was too much for my taste after a while. Uh, but talking of cinematic, it looks great. It does, yeah. You know, there's but that's, Oxford looks great and everything. Yeah, there's a sudden, suddenly the whole thing takes place, but then there's something in Finland, is it? Or Denmark, somewhere yeah, like yeah. that. Because yeah, the yeah. vampire goes on, on a hunting trip. Yeah, which, um, which was the most cinematic bit. I like yeah. that bit. I'm not, I have to say, I'm not quite sure if it, I'm really going to carry on watching. Oh, I just love it. Just those beautiful shots of the library. They fetishise these books, like I cannot even tell you. Uh, they absolutely love it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Um, 
if you like Twilight, watch it. You like Twilight and library porn yeah. is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And when is it on? Uh, it, it starts, I think, 9 o'clock at Sky One on Friday. Okay. Um, and I'm going to round us out with something a little bit different, Black Earth Rising, um, which is a six-parter on BBC Two. Um, and it's starring the incredible Michaela Cole, who is the chewing gum creator, if anybody's seen that, who I just think is, is remarkable and one of the most exciting people in working in telly at the moment. But it's about the prosecution of international war crimes, um, just to, you know, really contrast with your witches and demons and... Um, and she's basically plays a woman who was rescued from Rwanda from the genocide and she was brought over um, to the UK. Her mum is a world-class prosecutor in international criminal law um, and she kind of follows in her footstep, becomes a legal investigator and is set to prosecute a malicious leader. Um, so it is like we were talking about this earlier, Boyd, weren't we? And it is, it's heavy going and it's but it's incredible. The writing is fantastic. Performance-wise, she is just incredible. And John Goodman's in it, like actual. There's a really surprising bit where you, I was watching it and I was like, is that actual John Goodman? I thought I was like hallucinating because he seems so out of place all yeah. of a sudden, sat on some steps. But yeah, I really enjoyed the first episode, but I'm looking forward to potentially a bit more action in upcoming episodes. But it, it feels very BBC2. Yes. Yeah, it's doing a lot of stuff because it's dealing yeah. with, um, you know, issues of the genocide and how it's, it's, it's dealing with, you know, ethnic. Can, can, if, what happens if you adopt a young black girl, rescue her from the yeah. situation? What are the ramifications for that? Because her adopted mother is White Harriet Walter, this yeah. kind of very upper class lawyer character. So it's a lot of it's about their troubled relationship. And then particularly when Harriet Walter ends up doing something, her next job she takes as, a, as an international lawyer yeah. offends and irritates Michaela Cole's character. And that dynamic, right, that of dynamic. the rescue and the rescuer and, yeah. and that whole kind right. of Western versus African, that sense of, of her having been rescued and brought to this country. And there's, and there's lots of things around cultural appropriation and the clashes of those, yeah. of those cultures and, and that dynamic of... Uh, which feeds massively into their kind of parental exactly. daughter relationship. And at the same time, it is trying to be a thriller. And yeah. I think, I know what you mean, in the first episode, it's, in, it's introducing a lot. It has to introduce that relationship, these characters, it has to introduce the cr criminal court, mm. Rwanda genocide, there's a lot. I have, I've watched the second episode, and it, mm. actually the thriller element kind of takes over a bit yeah. more, which I think it needed to do. Uh, but I do think, I think she's so brilliant. And to see she her, is. who was so used to being incredibly funny, yeah. being, being put through the emotional ringer as yeah. she is, pretty much every single scene is fascinating. Her dramatic characterisation is amazing and yeah. I really bought their relationship. Like yeah. before they even really, when the, the very first time they see each other on screen and you can cut the tension and they establish it with, I think they exchange four words and you've already established that their relationship is completely buggered for whatever reason and full of, you can feel that tension and pain between them. Yeah. But yeah, as you say, do, her doing something like that, I think just shows the kind of depth of her rage. It's, rage? It's, range. Range. I'm it's, rage, who knows? And it's incredibly ambitious. The guy who created the show, Hugo Blick, who's the writer, producer and director, his last series, The Honourable Woman, was about Israel-Palestine. Mm. You know, he, t he loves a big topic, a big controversial topic. And you have to hand it to him because I think he, you know, he kind of pulls it off. I believed it, you know, I believe the situations, I believe the characters. I think it's, I think it's exciting that he and the BBC are doing this kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. And it's Monday, Monday BBC 9 o'clock, the same time as Strangers, so you'll have to watch one and record the other yes. in, the, in the old school way. 
Um, before we wrap up, what else this week of note? There are three picks, but what else is coming back or starting this week? Well, I would like to mention American Vandal, which is starting on the Netflix um, next Friday. I don't know if anyone saw the first series. This was um, a spoof of the true crime genre. It's become a like making a murder, all these things. Um, and it was the story set in high school of, a, of the mystery of the vandalisation of cars in a car park with penises drawn on all of them. So there were penises, cock and balls, drawn on these 20 cars by some mystery figure. And it used that and it, in, it kind of interrogated that mystery in the same way that making a murder interrogates the mystery of terrible, awful crimes and murders. And that was the brilliant concept of it. And it took it to its absolute logical conclusion. The second season... I've only seen the trailer. The trailer looks equally hilarious and amazing. And, it carry, and the kind, I think the idea of the second season is they're selling the rights to the story of the first season and turning <laughs> it into a film. And things. So it's kind of, bit, kind of very self-aware, um, but I'm really, really excited about it. And if you like Bojack Horseman, which is another big Netflix kind of cult phenomenon, I think it's season five, starts on the same, same time next Friday. So they've got two big kind of comedy hitters. On, uh, on Netflix starting that day. They're both really exciting, I think. And I would mention The Juice, which is the second season of the um, HBO show on Sky Atlantic, all about the 70s and the porn industry in New York. And it, is, and it showed it in an unflinching manner, the first season, the porn industry. If you want to see how porn was made, it's a pretty incredible, authentic guide to that. I had issues with the narrative. I didn't think it was that gripping. Mm. Each, it was a kind of quite, it, but it seemed incredibly authentic, the setting. And there was porn, so you were fine. And there was yeah. porn, so I was fine with it. it. Back to the beginning, there was a lot of masturbation. I feel like we're uh, ending where we began. Yeah. Um, it's been a very sexy podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know about sexy. Um, no. uh, that's the first ever pilot TV podcast. Possibly we, the last. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, this will be shared with the wider world on Monday and every Monday after that. And you can also find Pilot TV on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and there will be another edition of the print magazine the first week of October. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> <laughs>